there's this thing going on. Maybe you've heard something about it. Coronavirus, a.k.a. COVID-19, global pandemic, or as every company that you've ever done business with has sent you an email or a letter saying, we're here for you, perhaps they refer to it as this current crisis, or these difficult times, or even this unprecedented challenge. And last week, Jeff described it as the most fear-filled days of our lives. It's the perfect storm, really, of health risk and disruption and social isolation and financial crisis and government intervention and media attention all rolled into one storm. However it is that you measure the storms of life, this is a big one, isn't it? But at least we're all in this together, right? We're all in the same boat here. We're, we're all seeing it the same way. We're all expecting and realizing and agreeing on exactly the same responses that should be appropriate 100% of the time, right? Obviously, even if you have been hiding under that rock that many of us have been in for the last couple of months, you know that's not how things are going right now, which is creating an even bigger storm among us and in our own hearts and minds and relationships Here's some of the reason why that is. I came across a post on social media from an unknown author. You may have read it before as well. But an excerpt from, we are not in the same boat. The author says, I have heard that we're in the same boat. But it's not like that. We're in the same storm, but not in the same boat. Your ship can be shipwrecked, and mine might not be. Or vice versa. For some, this is a desperate crisis. For others, it is a time of loneliness. For someone else, quarantine is optimal. A moment of reflection, some peace, rest time, vacation. Yet for others, torture. How am I going to pay my bills, some will say. And so some want to go back to work because they're running out of money. Others criticize those who break the quarantine. Others criticize the government. Some have experienced illness from this virus, and some have already lost someone they care about from it. And some still don't believe this is a big deal. Some have faith in God and expect miracles to come from this storm. Others say the worst is yet to come. So friends, we are not in the same boat. We're going through a time when our perceptions and needs are completely different, and each one will emerge in his own way, from that storm. And I want to encourage you with that perspective, recognizing that all of our perspectives are different in this because we're experiencing something different, to be patient with one another and give lots of grace while you're interacting with folks that may be experiencing things very different than you. And perhaps that might explain sometimes why they see things so very different from you. And seek to understand rather than argue. And yet, an even more important thing I'd like to discuss today, I'd like to ask us all the very same question, and that is, how will you emerge from this storm? The storm of COVID-19 has caused many of us to be more isolated and alone than ever before in our lives. Will your relational life make it through this time? Or is it possible to even emerge from this even more connected than you were before? 
For many of us, life is harder than it's ever been before. And I won't pretend to know your hardship, but you know what they are. All of us have them, though, because this is a big storm that is affecting all of us in one way or another. How will your future be changed by it? Will you be battered and bruised as you emerge from this storm? Or will you be bigger and better and stronger? Or perhaps a combination of both? From what we see in God's Word, the Bible, how you emerge from this storm depends not on the size of the storm or even the circumstances unique to your experience in it. It really depends on how you're going to respond to the storm and where you place your hope during this time. Storms of all kinds are frequent in the Bible, just like they are in life. And Jesus' closest followers are facing many storms throughout Scripture. We're going to consider one of them where they face a huge, huge storm at sea. Now, they're all in the same boat in this case, and still they had different perspectives on how to describe it and perhaps even what to do about it in the midst of it. In fact, three of the four gospel writers record this event, and each of them gives a different perspective, sharing some information uh, from one perspective and leaving it out and sharing other information from someone else's unique angle. But every one of them includes the most important thing that those disciples experienced during the storm on this lake in that boat and what finally gave them hope in the midst of it. What gave them hope is also what helped them not only to survive, but to thrive because they had emerged from the storm. Let's look at Mark's account today, and I invite you, if you would like to join me at home, as we often do in our buildings, to stand in honor of God's Word and read out loud together with me as the words appear on your screen or as you've got your Bible or your device in front of you. And from Mark chapter 6. We'll be starting at verse 45. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida, where he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately, he spoke to them and said, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. For they were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Let's take a moment to pray together before we dig into this account of a really big storm that Jesus' followers emerged from. Lord God, we pause before you today, scattered in all kinds of locations, and we look to you as the one source of strength and hope and encouragement. Lord, would you speak to each of us, me, my brothers and sisters, my friends, and people that I don't yet know personally and yet you care deeply about today. And would you remind us that you understand not only the storm that we're all going through, but our unique circumstances for each and every one of us. Would you give us hope today? 
Would you allow your word to encourage us, strengthen us, and give us perspective to move through, not only to survive, but even to thrive throughout this time. And all God's people said in one voice, amen. Now, with this passage and the way that it begins and the way that it ends, we, we need to have a little bit of context before we go any further. And we need to understand that this storm comes right after a famous miracle of Jesus. It's the one where he fed 5,000 people with a little boy's lunch. He took five loaves of bread and two fish and made thousands and thousands of fish sandwiches, so much that everybody was full and had leftovers at the end. And the disciples helped him to serve all of that food and watch the event unfold. And right after that, we experience their setting in the same boat in the same storm. And the storm contains another famous miracle where Jesus walks on water. And you may be thinking while we were reading that passage, I thought that was a story, but wasn't Jesus sleeping with his disciples in the boat while they were all freaking out in that story? Actually, that was another storm. Storms are frequent in life and in the days of Jesus interacting with his disciples. You may even be thinking, well, don't I remember Peter getting out of the boat and walking with Jesus or to him? Yes, that was this storm. But as I mentioned, different writers included different pieces of the story. In the same way that you'll likely remember some elements of this COVID-19 series in our lives that others that walk through it right next to you may not even mention. Those disciples each had a story to tell about their storm. And I wonder, I would encourage you to consider, what story do you think you're going to tell your friends, your children, your grandchildren about the storm of 2020 that none of us will ever forget, but all of us will remember just a little bit different? You're pondering that question. Verse 45 begins with, immediately, as soon as the feeding of the 5,000 was done, after they served those fish sandwiches, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. Now get this, it wasn't by chance that the disciples found themselves in that boat or in that storm. Jesus sent them there. And, and understand, if Jesus knows all things, then he knows the storm is coming when he puts them into that boat. He knowingly sends them into hard times. That may be a struggle for, for some of you to process in, in your own understanding of theology or your expectation of what a loving God would do. So let's look at the reasons why he might be willing to do that. We see two in the text, and, and both of them are not just possibilities, but realities of reasons why Jesus would not only allow it, but send them into that boat in that storm. And both of these realities can teach us something about our own lives. First reality, he sent them into that storm to be alone. Another storm, the one where we see Jesus sleeping in the boat, same lake, same disciples, same Jesus, he's with them. This storm, different day, different storm, same disciples, same lake, same Jesus. Verse 46 says he didn't go with them. He went alone up into the mountains to pray while he sent them out in the middle of the lake on their own. In verse 47, we see they're in the middle of the lake all by themselves, and he's alone all by himself on the land. Do you think there was a plan behind that, or was it just happen chance? 
I'm sure it was Jesus' plan because I know what I like to do when I've finished a busy day with a lot of people around. I want to get alone. I usually want to take a nap, to be honest, but I always am hungry for an opportunity to get by myself, get alone with my thoughts, get alone with God. It's how I get restored from those busy times and crowds. It's something I need, and I often long for what Jesus is experiencing while he's alone in the mountain to pray. And I know I'm probably the biggest introvert that you know. Many of you are like me in that, and you're looking for a long time. You're not even minding some of the loneliness that you're experiencing during this time. But a lot of you are extroverts, very different from me, and and you're going crazy right now, some of you that don't get to interact with others as much as you'd like. All of us need time to be alone with God regardless of our personality or our circumstances. I heard from one person who's close to me on Facebook uh, who's an extrovert and a doer, and and with her permission, I want to share some of what she shared online. No one ever thought 2020 would look like this. Our lives in motion literally stopped, quarantined at home from a global pandemic. Many will remember this year for the coronavirus, but for me, it was the year God stopped me to still me. My priorities were out of balance, out of focus, and moving me away from his will for my life. It was in my stopping when I finally became still enough to allow God to do the moving. God spoke and showed me that all he really wants from me is to stop and be still at his feet. That stillness with him is all the strength I need. I must be still in him first before I can ever truly move with purpose. And she ends with, is that you? Are you in the same boat as my friend? You see, he made his disciples go into the storm in this text so that Jesus could be alone. Perhaps he's made you to go into this storm so that you could be alone with him. Maybe you're living through a time right now where you have few people around and little to do and more time on your hands than you know what to do with, and maybe God has created this divine appointment so that you can have some extra time to be alone with Him. So you can do what Jesus got to experience here, to stop and become still so you can actually listen to what the Father has to say to you. I believe for many of us, He created some time and some space in the midst of this storm that we're all experiencing, perhaps even against your will, in order to slow you down so you can have time to be alone with Him. According to the text, the first reality of why includes the fact that the storm allowed time alone with God. The second reality that we see from this text, He sent them into the storm because it was hard, because it was a difficult experience for them, and and He knew that despite the hardships of the circumstances that they would go through on that night, that the storm would somehow be good for them. You might be thinking, wait a minute, isn't it also dangerous for them? couldn't, Couldn't that have risked their safety, even their lives? Surely God wouldn't allow something to happen that would result in the danger of the people that he loves. Can I just tell you, the safest place to be is where Jesus wants you to go. That's the truth in life during this storm and any other circumstance we have. The safest place to be 
is where Jesus wants you to go. And so when he put them into that boat and made them go across the lake, whatever they were going to experience, they couldn't have been safer anywhere else, even if that place was fraught with danger. And you may be thinking, surely Jesus doesn't send us into hardship. That just doesn't sound like the God that I want to follow. But look at the text. Jesus made them get into that boat in order to go into that storm. In verse 48, it becomes even more clear. We're told that they're straining at the oars because the wind is against them. And they're going the opposite direction of where they need to go for safety. They're doing all they can to solve their problem, working hard as they can to survive the storm on their own. And the text says, Jesus sees this from the shore unfolding. He sees their struggle. And all through the night, while they're getting nowhere, in fact, getting further behind, Jesus does nothing to intervene. And how can this be? Do you ever feel like the storms of life are conspiring against you? You ever wonder in those moments, where's Jesus? Why isn't he doing anything? Doesn't he care about me? And perhaps he's using those times, or even this time, in order to accomplish a purpose that goes far beyond what you might expect. Using the hardship in order to do something that's actually for your benefit. And these guys aren't looking for Jesus at this time. They're just looking to survive. And yet, guess where they find Jesus? Right in the middle of this storm. He didn't make it easy either. If you look in verse 48, it says he was about to pass by. So imagine that they're out on the lake struggling for their lives. And he walks on the water not to go and rescue them with a helicopter or with the Coast Guard, but he's actually about to pass by them. If they weren't paying attention, they may not have even noticed that he was there. And the same is true for us. Who would have expected anyone to walk by the boat? That was not only improbable and unlikely, it was impossible. And yet, that's exactly how Jesus presented himself. So often, Jesus shows up in unexpected ways and at unexpected times. And if we're not paying attention, we can miss the fact that he's there at all. As it was, they were terrified when they did notice he was there because they didn't recognize him for who he was. In verse 50, it was only after he had their undivided attention through the force of sheer terror that he identified himself. And what does he say? Stop being afraid. It's me. I'm going to get you through this. And next thing you know, he's climbing into the boat. It's ironic to me that he made them leave his presence and face the hardship of the storm because he wanted to be with them in a more meaningful way than before the storm had begun. He used the storm to reveal himself as the answer that they weren't even looking for. And it was only then in verse 51, once they recognized him and brought him on board to join them in their struggle, that he calmed the storm. He had the power the whole time to do this, but he used the storm to help them grow before he wielded his power to calm it. We tend to think that 
Surely Jesus doesn't want me to be alone. Surely Jesus wouldn't allow me to face hardship on purpose. Surely there's no way that Jesus would send his own people into a storm like the one we're experiencing right now or like the ones the disciples experienced on that lake. And the reality is, yes, sometimes he does. There are times when he has. And perhaps right now he is allowing us to face a storm because he has a bigger purpose for it. Why is Jesus allowing all of us to face the hardship of the coronavirus that we're walking through right now? I don't pretend to have any or even many of the answers. I ask many of the same questions you do, but as we see in Scripture, one reason he's allowing it is because he wants us to find him in the middle of this storm. You know the hardest part of this story to confront? It's verse 52. It's where Jesus tells us why the disciples needed to go through a huge storm in order to find Jesus, even though he was there with them the whole time before that. Don't miss this. They were the closest ones to him at this time. They'd been following him intently for a long time. They'd even been involved in ministering alongside him the day before this event occurred. And yet, in the middle of feeding those 5,000 people with Jesus, verse 52, they had not understood about the loaves. In that miracle, Jesus had demonstrated that no matter what the question, Jesus is the answer. No matter what the problem, Jesus is the solution. He demonstrated that he could meet their needs and the needs of those around them in ways that they could not do on their own. He helped them to understand They needed him more than they ever could have realized. And that was part of the point of that miracle. The the master teacher had just taught an important lesson to them, and they missed it completely. They were in class, but they weren't paying enough attention to get it. So they had to repeat the lesson. They missed the lesson in the loaves. Now they're getting the lesson all over again in the storm. The text says their hearts were hardened. This doesn't mean that they were angry with God or, or against listening to Him. It means that they were callous, that their hearts were made thick and desensitized from frequent use. It's strange but true. Sometimes the more we experience God's blessing and power and presence in our lives, the more we begin to get used to it in a not-so-good way. Is it possible that we, that I and you, have gotten calloused? all of the many things that Jesus has done on our behalf? Is it possible that we're missing out on the reality of all that Jesus has done right in front of us and even for us for some time? These disciples didn't pick up on what Jesus was throwing down in those loaves and fish, so he made them get into the boat and face the storm alone so that they could experience the lesson all over again. I wonder what lessons our world has been ignoring that required a global pandemic to get our attention. I wonder what our nation and our state should be noticing rather than fighting amongst ourselves over the best way we can rescue ourselves from the storm that we're in. I wonder what our church and each of us individually, I wonder what I could hear from Jesus if only... 
we were listening to the lessons that he wants to teach us. I want you to think back for a moment to the time before any of us have ever heard or understood the word coronavirus. Was Jesus trying to teach you something in those days? Did you get the lesson? Is it possible that this storm is another opportunity for you to get it right by finally noticing what Jesus is saying and doing right before you? Whatever your past experience with Jesus, what about right now? Is your heart soft enough to recognize Jesus in the middle of the storm? Are you ready to stop trying to fix your problems yourself and notice that Jesus is standing right beside you, able to do more than you could ask or imagine him to accomplish on your behalf? Will you, in these moments, in the middle of this storm, whether you're all by yourself or surrounded by some folks in your living room right now, will you invite him into the boat? Will you, for the first time, invite Jesus into your life, into your heart, to trust him as your Savior so that you can experience a right relationship with him for the very first time? Even if you don't understand how him dying on the cross can pay for the forgiveness of your sins and give you eternal life and a right relationship with God any better that you can understand how he could walk on water. Will you let him into the boat of your heart right now? Or maybe for the last time, right now is the time for you to invite him into the boat of your heart. Is it possible that you're already a follower of Jesus and your heart has become hardened, calloused, even, perhaps, by constant use of experiencing Jesus' power and blessing and presence in your life, and you've grown so accustomed to it that you stop noticing. You stop making time, listening, and allowing Him to do what only He can do in your life. Are you willing to invite Jesus into the boat for the last time and let Him stay there? Not just present with you, but guiding you through whatever the coming days and weeks and months and years may include. Coronavirus. It's only the biggest storm of our entire lives. And Jesus is always prepared to use a storm to help us find him. This is a big one. If you're all alone... If you're facing hardship, if you're trying to figure out what you should do to survive, can I encourage you once again, Jesus wants to use this time to help you thrive. In the midst of this big storm, will you let Jesus finish the work that he's begun in you? In these moments, I encourage you to listen to what God might be saying to you right now to be willing to learn whatever lessons he's trying to teach each of us and invite him into the boat of your life, perhaps all over again if that's what needs to happen. Let's take a moment to pray as we close. Father and our God, I thank you that you know us enough to be able to intimately understand everything we're going through every minute of our lives in a way that nobody else gets and we struggle to understand ourselves. You know what's going on around us. 
to us, inside of us. And God, we thank you that you not only know us, but you love us so much that you're willing to do whatever is best for us, even if it's not always what we would choose for ourselves. There's so many unanswered questions and things we can't possibly know, let alone agree upon during these days. Would you allow us to see what you so clearly teach us over and over in your word and time and time again in our own walk with you? Not only are you with us, but you want to be with us in a way that was deeper and better and more significant than whatever we were experiencing yesterday. Would you soften our hearts in these moments right now? For those who might be watching who haven't ever begun a relationship with you, would you use these moments to, through your Holy Spirit to whisper to their heart and encourage them to take the step of faith, not to walk on water, but to let you into the boat, to let you into their hearts, and to begin a relationship with you through the work you've done on the cross. God, for each of those watching who are already a follower of you, you give us the wisdom and the willingness to let you stop us in order to still us so that we can listen to what you want to say to us. In these moments, God, we trust that you are a hope worth holding on to. You will allow us to emerge from this storm, not only surviving, but thriving because of what you did in the midst of this storm. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to invite you, before you take off, to consider what Jesus might be saying to you. Continue that conversation with him, and we'd love to be a part of that conversation with you if you'd like to include us. You can use the links in the video comments section and introduction if you'd like. We would love to hear from you as much or as little as you'd like to share, especially if you're not sure what or how to trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, to invite him into the boat of your heart. We'd love to walk on that journey with you as you take your first steps in your relationship with Jesus.